I'm kind of a trivia nerd. I like trivia a lot. Um, anybody like trivia as well? Trivia people? Trivia types? Nobody. Okay. Great. Thank you. Appreciate you. Help from the band. Always appreciated. That makes me cool, right? If the band's with me. Do you know what the largest land empire in history was? It's not the Romans. It's not the Persians. It's the Mongols. Genghis Khan and his crew going across Asia into Europe, terrorizing and ter terrifying people. Do you know, uh, actually, I think most of us are related to Genghis Khan somehow. Uh, he had that many children and wives. Uh, that's unrelated to the sermon, just point of fact. Mongols, even to this day, many Mongols are still uh, nomads. They don't settle down. They move from place to place. Uh, and, and it's actually a difficulty for the kind of the Chinese, the Russian, and the Mongolian government because they don't really respect borders that much. So they just kind of wander wherever they want to go. Uh, but one of the coolest things I think about Mongols as I was kind of researching for this sermon, we're in Psalm 119 today, which if you don't know anything about Psalm 119, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in all of Scripture. Longest chapter. It's also obviously the longest psalm and therefore the longest song in all of Scripture. It's well over 150 verses. How does this relate to the Mongols? Well, the Mongols have this thing that they do. It's called the long song. They sing these things called the long songs. And we think of a long song like Freebird. That's 14 minutes. There's a guitar riff in there. and We really like that. The Mongol long song slightly puts Freebird to shame. Uh, some of them last as long as three hours. And it's not just long verses, like verses over and over again, but even the words are drawn out and made to be long. And the reason why they sing these long songs is it encapsulates the nomadic life, going on a journey, wandering from place to place. And so they wander through these songs. And so as I was thinking about uh, this sermon and thinking about the passage that we're looking at today, Psalm 119, and we're going to go through every verse, I'm just kidding. It reminded me that as Christians, we too are nomadic. We lead a nomadic life. We are called by God to go to different places, uh, to different people. Even though we may be settled, even though you might live in Dallas and live wherever you're at for your entire life and never leave, you're still a nomad. God still calls you to different things, to different places and to different people, even if it's just for a short period of time. But sometimes it can be rather frustrating leading this nomadic life, right? Because I don't always hear, I don't know if, maybe I'm just doing Christianity wrong, I don't hear a voice from God, like audibly being like, all right, Travis, this morning you're going to go into the office, and then you're going to have a lunch appointment, it's going to be great. I don't, I don't hear that. I don't often hear the voice of God. In fact, I've never heard the audible voice of God. I've never seen an angel, I've never seen a vision. I've had some dreams, I guess, but I wouldn't even qualify those as God in my dreams. Just weird dreams, I guess. But some of us, we look at Scripture and we think, wow, is that how I'm supposed to? It would be so nice if God just like popped up every morning and kind of filled my calendar out for me and then was like, all right, I'll see you tomorrow, bye. That'd be really great because we'd have this direction. I feel so directionless sometimes. Like I'm lost. And last week we talked about being at sea. Sometimes we feel that adriftness, right? Kind of a similar thing. Like just kind of... Off course, maybe. So how do we receive direction from God throughout all seasons of our lives? How do we receive direction from God through all seasons? Like I said, we're going to be in 119. We're not going to go through the whole sermon. Or the whole, we're going to go through the whole sermon. We're not going to go through the whole text. It's going to be verses 1 through 8. 
It's where we're going to camp out. And I want us to look at our wants, our wanderings, and our worship. We're going to look at our wants, our wonders, and our worship. So let's look at our want. Our want by God's word. Our want by God's word. Verse 1, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. Blessed. That word here means happy. Just happy. We love the word happy. Happy is a great thing. I wish you a happy birthday. I can go to McDonald's and get a happy meal. I can even buy perfume for my wife called Happy. They don't have perfume called, like, sad. And they work. Happiness is what everybody's shooting for. And frequently in our culture, we relate happiness to having things, acquiring things, getting stuff. Whether it's getting acclamation for things that I do or, 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 or applause, I want that, or it's actual material things. I want things. Do you know uh, of the top 10 visited websites in the world, or in, sorry, in the United States, two of them are shopping websites, Amazon and eBay. Four of those 10 are either social media sites or uh, search engines. So those things will tell me what it is I should be wanting, and then I can go on Amazon or eBay and buy what it is that I should be wanting, even though I didn't know what it was until I looked at my buddy's Facebook page, saw that he bought a car, and I was like, well, I need a car too, even though mine runs perfectly fine. There's this kind of one-upsmanship. The keeping up with the Joneses has gone on steroids since the advent of social media. Do you know how long the average person spends on Amazon? The average visit to Amazon.com lasts about eight minutes. It's about eight and a half minutes. Which sounds like, oh, that's not that bad. Think about how long it would take for somebody to be on Amazon to get the general population up to eight minutes. That's a lot. That's daily. In fact, it puts it in perspective because uh, one of the other most visited websites, not in the top 10, but it's definitely in the top 50, is a pornographic website. And you know what the average visit length is to that website? It's also eight minutes. So whatever rush, whatever uh, excitement comes from visiting that website is apparently takes just as much time to get the same rush. But we talk a lot about pornographic addiction. We don't ever talk about shopping addiction. I gotta get more stuff. I gotta get more stuff. I gotta get more stuff. Had a bad day, gotta go buy something. Having a rough week, gonna go buy something. I feel better when I shop. I want, I want, I want, I want. And we let that be the rudder on our lives. We let that guide where we go. And our wants change, they change. When I was a kid, I lived for getting $5 on Friday. That was my allowance. Because I would take that $5 and I would go buy an action figure with it. That's what I wanted. Do I still buy action figures? I would never tell you from up here. No, I, I, my wants have changed. Now I don't want to buy the, the Spider-Man car anymore. I want to buy a real car. I want to be Spider-Man, but I want, to, I want to have the car that I can drive around. The psalm here says that my wants and my desires should be guided by something else, not just what I feel like having that day or that week or that month. The word blessed means happy, and that word implies God's protection and provision. And in, rather than trusting God for his protection and provision, I go find those things in, other, in whatever I can spend my money on. We don't allow scripture to teach us about what we should want, what should we need. If you, put, uh, if you have a child and you put a bowl of Skittles in front of that kid and a bowl of broccoli and tell them to have a nutritious dinner, what are they going to eat? 
Skittles. I'm going to be transparent with you. I might eat the Skittles. How it is. Sometimes we go through life and we're like, man, I want this and I want this and I want this. And it's Skittles. And God's like, I've got what you need. I've got the nutrition that you need, the spiritual nourishment, the real wants that you're actually craving, that you're covering over with the Skittles of life. I've got that for you. And you know where you go to find that? You go to my word. I've told you what you need to want, what's best for you. If you'll just come and spend time in your word. And Psalm 119 talks about that, especially these first three verses. They give us four things that should guide our wants, four things that should guide our wants, a blameless life, keeping his commands, seeking him with a whole heart, and doing no wrong. So let's talk about a blameless life. Anybody feel blameless? Like, I mean, like 100%, like I'm, I'm good. Like I've never messed up in my life. It says, verse one says, blessed are those whose way is blameless who walk in the law of the Lord. Does that mean then that happiness is closed off to me because I'm not blameless? In fact, Romans 3 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody. As we used to say in the army, la di da everybody. Every human being. Does that mean happiness is closed off to me? I don't want to drop the hammer on you, but yes, it is closed to you in and of yourself. But that is why we have Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ... Uh, the Father sees that we are incapable of having a relationship with him. He sees that we're incapable of keeping his law because of sin. You have a terminal illness, and it is called sin. It will kill you. I've talked about this before. But you have a Father that loves you and desires a relationship with you, and so he sends his Son, who leads the blameless life. The blameless life that you can't lead, he actually leads it. And he's killed, and he's buried, but he's resurrected. And so now, in order for me to have that blameless life, I have to look to him and say, that's the blameless life that I'm now counting as my own. Lord, I'm trusting that his life was blameless and that his sacrifice was accepted. And if you do that, you have a relationship with Christ. You have a relationship with God. And you are now considered blameless because God looks on him and loves you. Anybody ever do a group project in school? Group projects? Who am I group project people? How many of you liked group projects? You're sick. You're sick people. I hated group projects. In group projects, what's the one flaw in the group project? What happens in the group project? One person does all the work, or at least most of it, but all the work. We'll go with all the work here. And if you never knew that, congratulations. You were the person that either A, did all the work, or B, was the guy that was like, yeah, whatever, I'm here for the grade. Yeah. Salvation is a giant group project where Jesus does all the work and you get the credit. You get the letter grade that he deserves if you put your hope and faith in him. And so it's a blameless life that we now have through Christ. What does that lead us to? That leads us to the next one, keeping his commands. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies or his commands. You might sit there and be like, okay, now I've got this relationship with God. Does that mean that I've just, like, I've got to obey a bunch of rules now? That's lame. That's very restrictive on my freedom. Well, your freedom was really restricted before. You just didn't realize it. But now, now, God has some things he wants you to do, which are for your happiness, which is for your good, for your blessedness. Imagine a child, again, in, a, in, a, in maybe a dump, a giant dump. And this child is destitute, and he or she is wandering through the dump looking for food. And you know that on the other side of that dump is like a really, really good restaurant. Let's go with like Texas Day Brazil. It's like all you can eat. It's delicious. 
And you know that on the other side of that dump, that's where it is. And so you tell this child, you're going to go through here and you're going to take a left and you're going to take a right. Is that child restricted by those commands? Yes. But wait, what waits for that child on the other side? Delicious bacon-wrapped items of meat. Yes. The answer is always yes and the circle is always green. It's up. It's good. It's a good thing. But so many of us are like, I'd rather have the trash, God. I'm good with my trashy food. The commands that God gives us are for his glory and his honor, yes, but also for our good and for our nourishment. You're never going to find what you're looking for, never holy. If you keep digging around in the trash of life, chasing after your wants, chasing after your desires, let the word of God speak into you and tell you what it is you should even be wanting, what you should be desiring. That's going to lead us to seek with a whole heart. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with a whole heart. That's verse 2. Deuteronomy 6.5 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. This is the greatest commandment. Jesus says, this is the greatest thing that you can do, is to love the Lord your God with all these things. Everything that you have. Your best time. So if you're a parent, the best two words that you'll ever hear, at least when they're really young, is nap time. Nap time. I love nap time. Nap time's great. Put my daughter down. She sleeps. I love my daughter, but she's like super high energy. I'm not so much. And so she goes down, and I have all this time to do what I want. And do you know what I do with that time? Whatever I want. I typically don't spend time with the Lord in that time. Whatever your best time is, that's the time you should be giving to the Lord. Whatever the highlight of your day is. But so many of us think that the Word of God is boring. It's an ancient document, and this thing's really old. There are portions of it that we think like 2,000 years old because that's when Jesus lived. There's portions of it that are older than that. Job might be the oldest book. We're talking thousands of years old. Kind of boring. In fact, uh, these are some scholars. These are actual biblical scholars have these comments. Tedious repetitions, poor thought sequence, apparent lack of inspiration. Monotonous, but impressive in many ways. Literary composition that is wearisome in its repetition of motifs. Do you know what they're talking about? Psalm 119, the psalm that we're in. These are literary scholars. And so many of us approach our time with God the same way. We get done reading our Bible and we think, tedious, poor thought sequence. I was kind of thinking about some other stuff. Apparent lack of inspiration. I don't feel inspired right now. I just read a genealogy. I'm bored. The word of God, there's a desire in you. If you're a follower of Christ, there's a desire in you to spend time with the word of God, to hear from the voice of your father, which is what the word of God is. It is inspired. So spend time with God in it, worshiping, hearing from him. Refresh that desire. And then it says to do no wrong, verse 4. You've commanded your, sorry, verse 3. You also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. This do no wrong is an interpersonal do no wrong. It's not like keeping all of God's commandments, but it's loving and caring for other people. It's not doing violence to them. So often when we chase after our own desires and our own wants, what happens? We run into conflict with other people. Do you know most people think, and this is kind of an urban legend, I guess, or rumor, most wars are started by religion or fought over religious purposes. That's not the case. It's actually like 8% of wars are started over purely religious purposes. Most wars are started over, you have stuff we want, and we're going to take it from you. We do that all the time on like an interpersonal level. Like, I wanted this time to myself, and I'm taking it. 
We do this in our homes. We do it in our families. James says that why are there quarrels among you? Because you have and you do not want, and you want because you do not ask. Do no wrong. Love others as you love yourself. So as you let your wants be guided by God's word, as you let your wants be sort of shaped and molded away from what it is that social media and that the media itself tells you you should want, but instead guides you, you're going to feel like, okay, cool, I'm going to settle down. No, 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 no. You're still a nomad. So we need to wander by God's word. We need to wander by God's word. Look at verse 4. You've commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. Mongolians, do you know how they navigate? They navigate by landmark, which is also how women mostly navigate, by the way, which probably implies that that might be a better way to navigate. Sorry, dude. Um, just Navigation by landmark is the way they go. So what might look like to us wandering, kind of aimless in the desert, they know where they're going. They know what they're doing. Wandering has to be guided by something, by someone. And maybe that's why you feel directionless, because you don't feel like God's word is guiding you. But when you open God's word, are you looking for that direction? If you're a Christian, you're a nomad. And to some people, your ways might seem odd. Your wandering might seem purposeless. But if the word of God is guiding you, it's not going to be purposeless at all. Word of God is meant to give you direction. It's meant to guide you in how you lead your own life, how you lead the lives of your family, those that you live with, those that you're discipling. That's what the Word of God is for. And Psalm 119 reflects this. God's Word makes wandering purposeful. Verse 4, you have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. The words commanded your precepts means something along the lines of it emphasizes God's plan and direction in your life. And the word diligently means with muchness, over the top, exceedingly so. It's also repeated in verse 8. God's word's not going to let you down. Isaiah 55, 11 says that the word of God does not return, and the old school way to say it was void. It doesn't return to nothing. It doesn't go out and not accomplish anything. When God creates the universe, how does he do it? He speaks. It says, and God said, let there be light, and there was. It's not like let there be light, and then he went and flipped a switch. No, he spoke, and it happened. God's word accomplishes what he sets it out to do. And if he wants it to shape and mold and change your life, it will, if you allow it. And trust in the Lord. Follow what he's telling you to do through his word. It gives your life purpose. It gives it direction. It guides you. God's word also makes our wandering straight. Psalm 119.5 Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. There's a lot of books out there, right? A lot of books. Like, tons of books. That's where Amazon makes most of their money, I guess. One of the reasons why I'm there. There's a bunch of books telling you all sorts of different ways that you can do to, like, make your life better. Self-help books, things like that. There's even Christian books that do this. Uh, one of the things that I would encourage you, if you, uh, beware the books that has the, has the author's face on the cover. That is my warning to you. Beware the books that has the author's face on the cover. If he's smiling back at you, run away. Run away. God's word makes our wandering straight. The word of God is there to make sure you don't go into bad doctrine, bad truths, lies, idols. It's there. In fact, there's another passage in Isaiah that says, you'll hear a voice behind you that says, this is the way. Walk in it. Just need to listen. In fact, that's what Psalm 119.105 says. Some of us can quote this. We learned it in like vacation Bible school. I did. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. 
That's what the word of God is for. It's meant to guide you. In the Psalm series, we've walked through a lot of seasons, right? We've gone through seasons of waiting, seasons of despair, seasons of trusting, reorienting, longing, all sorts of things. And God's word is perfect for each of those seasons. We've shown you how timely God's word can be when you're walking through those seasons. God's word is a lamp to guide you through all sorts of times. God's word also makes our wandering glorious. Look at verse 6. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. Do you know what one of the biggest things I'm afraid of in my life? Looking like an idiot. Which is an interesting career choice, because I'm up in front of people a lot. I'm always just afraid of looking strange and odd in front of people. And I, my guess is most of you are as well. Like, nobody wants to look like an idiot. Nobody wants to look like they don't know what they're doing, right? Nobody, again, posts a picture on Facebook and says, like, hair's totally jacked up today. So excited. Thanks for looking at it. <laughs> Dislike if you don't like it. Nobody wants that. Nobody does that. No, they, they call the Facebook the uh, highlight reel of your life, right? You're just telling everybody the high points. Some of us look at God's word the same way. We'll keep the parts that are cool. We'll keep the parts that society's okay with. But I don't want to look peculiar or strange or weird while I'm keeping God's commands. My friend, I have bad news for you. God's word does not give you that option doesn't give us that option because God's called you out. He's called you out from all the people in all the world. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you've been picked, plucked out of a whole group of people. You are a particular person that God has chosen. And do you know what that means? The word particular is very closely related to another word that all of us are afraid of, peculiar. You're a peculiar person. You're weird already. I have an expression that I, I tell to my young adults, embrace the awkward. Sometimes I, I tell people that awkward is an art form and I paint in it. Like, it just is, it's there. Embrace it. Be weird. Be strange. You know what I think is weird? Family worship services, like family devotionals that everybody does together. Be weird. Lead your family in worship. Get your roommates together. Study a passage of scripture. Do weird things. Be a weird person. Follow Christ because you're a nomad. And nomads to people that aren't nomads seem strange. Go be strange. Go be a nomad. Whatever direction God leads you to wander in, you'll always have reasons to worship. So let's worship by God's word. Let's worship by God's word. Verse 7, I will praise you with an upright heart. When I learn your righteous rules, I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. You know there's right ways to worship and wrong ways to worship? You know that? A lot, of, uh, a lot of us, especially they've polled uh, churches recently, uh, they don't like this idea, people don't like this idea of Jesus being the only way to heaven. They, uh, there's multiple ways to get to God, is, is what most people think. They say that to only have one way is too restrictive. David Platt has a wonderful quote about this. He says, if there were a thousand ways to get to heaven, we would want a thousand and one. We would say that a thousand is too restrictive, too limiting. There are right ways and there are wrong ways to worship. Do you know what the best thing is the Bible gives us? The best thing. It's not commands, which is nice. It's not for us to have a nice little plaque to hang in our home that we can say like, welcome to our house, you know, and, and then a Bible verse. That's not what it's for. It's not even to remind us that God is going to uh, take care of the wicked and, and, and be just, although that's, that's a good portion of it. The best thing that scripture gives us is God himself. If God wanted to, he could be the ultimate hide-and-seek champion, and we would never find him. 
In fact, one of the arguments for knowing God exists is the fact that human beings even have a concept of God to begin with. Where does that even come from? It comes from God himself. God has revealed himself both in what's called general revelation, which is like nature, the concept of God, and through special revelation, which is his word. God has revealed himself. You know who God really is, and you know the things that he really wants you to know about himself. You have no thing about a God that you can worship and that you can have a real relationship with him. Someone who is completely transcendent and above everything and every concept you've ever thought or even thought to think wants to have a relationship with you and me. He doesn't need your worship, but he wants it. He doesn't need a relationship with you, but he wants it. And he's chosen to reveal himself from Genesis all the way to Revelation, screams, I'm here. Do you know what the most significant thing that ever happened to me and my wife in our relationship, the most single significant thing that ever happened? We knew of each other's existence. Without that, there's nothing. I have no relationship with my wife if I don't think she exists. That is a problem. Knowing that God is there is the best gift we've ever been given from the word of God. And knowing about him specifically. These eight verses tell us the result of the psalmist action. Praise. When you get into the word of God, there is praise to be offered. When you know who God is, the only response you can have is, wow, what an amazing God. It comes from an obedient person. Verse 7, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. Yeah, I don't have an upright heart. You do if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, as we talked about. It's the same as being blameless. But once you're blameless, once you have that relationship with Jesus, you can follow after Christ. It is vain to think, to make it a pretense of praising God with the mouth and the tongue if we dishonor him with our life, is what one person said. Keeping God's very commands is actually worship. Praise also comes from somebody that knows God. Look at verse 8. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. That word utterly is that other word, that muchness with exceeding this. That's kind of a big request, right? Don't ever forsake me. Don't utterly forsake me. No, that's a huge request. And that's the kind of request you only make of somebody that you know. You're a nomad. That's what you are. That's what you'll always be. As long as you want to follow Jesus Christ, you're going to be a nomad. So we need to get our wants in order. We need our wants to be ordered by the word of God. We need to wander by the word of God. Trust him to guide us to the right places. And then we need to worship him for who he really is, for who he says that he is. And the only way we can do that is if we open the word of God and spend time in it. I found this poem this week. I'm going to close with this. I think it's the poem that a nomad would have. When the cold of winter comes, starless night will cover day. In the veiling of the sun, we will walk in bitter rain. But in dreams, I can hear your name. And in dreams, we will meet again. When the seas and mountains fall and we come to end of days, in the dark I hear a call calling me there. I will go there and back again. The word of God, God himself, the Holy Spirit, through the word of God is calling to you. wants to have a relationship with you. Go there. Go there and go back again and again and again and again and again. And don't stop going there until you get to go there in person before his throne. Want by the word of God. Wander by the word of God. Worship by the word of God. Let's pray. Father God, you have blessed us beyond all measure by giving us your word, 
You haven't left us to wander aimlessly about, to try and figure things out on our own. No, no, no. You have given us your word to guide us, encourage us, and tell us about yourself, which is the greatest gift of all. Lord, I pray for each person in this room that maybe finds your, your word tedious or boring or maybe is just going through a dry spell right now. God, I pray that you would, Lord, just speak into their life through your word, that you would make them love your word afresh. For those, Lord God, who are just on fire, I pray that that, stoke, that fire would not go out but would continue to be stoked in their lives. Father, we're grateful for you above all. We pray all these things in the name of your Son. Amen.